Well, top of the morning to you. This is our uh, key market drivers call for Tuesday, the 7th of June. Uh, we are really broadcasting this morning from all over the this great country of ours. A uh, couple of us are in the uh, the North Woods up by uh, Shell Lake, Wisconsin, ATV riding. We've got people from the uh, Soslin event uh, uh, down there. We've got people back in the home office. So we're going to try to put this together for you from multiple locations. As always, we will start with a plea for questions, questions, comments. Uh, not just questions, but like I said, anything that you might like to see done differently in the future, or different things you'd like to hear about, by all means, uh, drop us a note, uh, pick up the phone and give us a call. So um, looking at markets this week, uh, really, really a, a pretty simple thing. I mean, we've had some pretty violent moves in markets this week, but uh, uh, pretty simple reasons for why that is. Uh, we'll let Scott talk a little bit about that in a second here. but. Uh, the first bullet on this slide, we have waited with great anticipation, as you know, for the EPA to issue the RVOs. That stands for Renewable Volume Obligation. Uh, it is the acronym that really means the mandates, the renewable fuel mandates. There's been all sorts of rumors, as you know, in recent weeks and months as to whether these were going to be higher than the EPA proposed last fall. Uh, the chance of them being lower because of food inflation and food insecurity, I think, was uh, increasing as a likelihood. Um, but the, the lead horse in that race, the most likely outcome has always been that the proposal would be pretty much what the or the uh, final mandate values we get from the EPA would be what they proposed to us last fall. And that's really exactly what we found out happened. Um, we got the mandates Friday afternoon. They were pretty much as anticipated. Uh, a couple minor changes, very minor would be the operative word from the fall proposal. Uh, back last fall for the 2021 mandates, remember they gave us those retroactively. Their intention was to propose actual consumption during the 2021 compliance year. Uh, only problem is, is they only had about three quarters of or nine months worth of the pace data by then. So there was a minor adjustment to the 2021 levels, a little bit lower than their proposed values, but pretty much uh, in line and, and really reflected um, the actual usage levels. But there was another item in there. It was a 250 million gallon supplemental uh, addition to the uh, conventional or the ethanol mandate for 2022. Uh, I think that's probably part of, there was a court settlement a number of years ago. The judge said that the Renewable fuels industry had gotten cheated out of about a half a billion gallons, uh, I think, and, and basically ordered the EPA to make that up in subsequent years. I think this is the uh, the first installment payment on that, but uh, the market really looked at this as uh, pretty neutral, not really a lot going on here. The big moves last week were in the corn and wheat market, and those really had uh, everything to do with some of the overtures from Vladimir Putin about um, that he might let some exports out of the Ukraine. And with that, I think I'll flip it, uh, uh, flip the commentary over to Scott here and let him explain uh, what happened and, and why. Yeah, well, it was uh, something that, that hit us uh, pretty dramatically last week. Our, our futures prices here in the States on all three exchanges were down about you know eight to 10%. The Matif market in France was down uh, pretty significantly as well. Um, and this was all on the uh, notion that uh, Putin uh, said, hey, we, we absolutely would let you 
ship grain out of the Ukraine. Uh, there's several different ways that you could do it. Um, the, the, the biggest being, um, you know, you still, Ukraine still has um, control of Odessa. You could just ship it right out of Odessa. There's other ways to do it, either through Poland or through Belarus or everywhere else. But if if you ship it out of Odessa, the only thing you have to worry about is mines. And they said, well, we didn't put the mines there. Ukraine put the mines there. So, so you know, by all means, go right ahead, ship it out. And and they they said they would provide a safe passage for all of those vessels. And that was seen as a very bearish input to the marketplace. Uh, we were down uh, over a dollar a bushel uh, in two days time. Um, now, since then, uh, you know, over the weekend, there was the resumption of bombing into Kiev and, and we ran right back up uh, yesterday. Uh, we've kind of leveled off here uh, yesterday afternoon and now this morning um, as as uh, uh, more time has gone on. They're supposed to be meeting tomorrow in Turkey. Turkey is uh, helping to broker a meeting. Certainly everything that comes out of the Black Sea has to go through uh, the Bosporus uh, Strait. Um, I, I guess the entry of Turkey into those talks is seen as a, a, maybe a stabilizing um, uh, influence in everything. Um, but it's, it's, you know, it's certainly still in flux. We, uh, the United States has uh, slapped more sanctions on. They have also... Uh, uh, made mention that if if any of those sanctions are taken off, they would be certainly opposed to that. Um, and and I mentioned the the resumed bombing of of Kiev. Um, Russia also uh, took a, another export terminal city of, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce that. Well, why not? <laughs> um, Mikhailov, I think, is the name of the city, and and so they pretty well. Um, uh, destroyed the export facilities there in that uh, town. So who knows where things are going to go uh, from there. And, and that uh, what it tells us is that, uh, you know, we feel that, that for a long time now, the wheat market has been uh, overdone. Um, has, it went well too far to the upside um, when you could take you know, over a dollar a bushel out of the market in two days, it, it tells us that uh, our prices were well overpriced, and I think they still are to some degree. Um, some of the other things that have come out in the last week, uh, Soviet Econ, uh, as you know, is one of the a big Russian analysts. Uh, they've raised their export guesses up to around 42, 42.3. I remember the uh, USDA is at 39. Uh, that's below the Russian Ag Minister's number of 50, if you remember from last week. So we'll see how that goes. Um, Ukraine, uh, their Grain Traders Association came out right in line with where everybody else is at, at 19.2. I know that there's uh, others uh, right around that 19 to 20, 21 uh, range on their wheat crop this year. Um, France's wheat conditions have deteriorated. Uh, five weeks in a row, but they're still at 67% good to excellent. Uh, the EU came out this morning and raised that crop ever so slightly. So uh, even though that there's a lot of whining over there about how hot and dry it is, it's still uh, very good uh, conditions. Um, and then I think the other thing to to note 
internationally is that um, uh, A Bears came out and uh, actually it wasn't A Bears, but uh, in Australia, um, Rabobank and, and some others are now on record as as saying they think that they're going to have record area planted to uh, wheat production this coming year. So it would seem that they're going to have uh, yet another bumper crop. Uh, Rabobank has got a 32 and a half um, million metric ton production number right now. Remember last year was their, you know, out of the park record of 36. Um, so between uh, between that and and uh, some of these other, um, you know, more bearish scenarios, uh, not to uh, forget Russia uh, exporting maybe as much as 50 million tons next year, maybe we don't have as big a hole to fill in Ukraine as what we once thought. So um, I guess with that, we're going to turn it over now and, and talk a little bit uh, about the WASDI that comes out later this week. Dave, we got a preview on that? Yeah, uh, jump over to the slide. There you go. Uh, I should be looking at the WASDI slide. The June WASDI is typically uh, one of those tweener WASDIs as we've discussed before. It's kind of an in-between month. Obviously, the May WASDI is important last month because we got the first look from the USDA, the first official look anyway, at this coming crop year, the crop we're trying to plant. We've also got a very important report coming up at the end of this month on the 30th of June. That will be our, uh, uh, we'll get our final planted area from the USDA on that report. And then we will also get our all important June 1 stocks report that will serve as our official ending stocks number um, uh, for the wheat crop, at least the winter, yeah. Yeah, for the uh, really all the wheat crops. You can see here, I don't necessarily need to read them to you, but if you look at the uh, the old crop, that's the top section of that slide, the 21-22 crop year. That's the crop year we're currently in right now and using. Uh, minor downward revisions is what the trade is looking for. Uh, almost nothing in corn, pretty much the same number. About a 20 million bushel reduction in ending stocks on beans. I don't know, I, I saw that in, that. Uh, 215 number for an ending stock on beans and thought, not sure exactly why the trade is expecting them to go down 20. I think maybe exports up a little bit, but the export pace hasn't looked to me to be fast enough to justify that, nor has Crush. I think they've caught up. So uh, we'll see there. And then you can see on the, the new crop uh, balance sheets, they're right in the middle. Um, you can see there's some minor adjustments there, but really nothing worth spending too much time on. Anything on the wheat production numbers in the bottom of that slide, Scott, that we need to be uh, looking out for? Not really. Um, okay. I think that the, the the one class really to be watching this year is the hard red winter wheat. Um, you see there that we were at 590 uh, previous and 593. I, I think some of this rain has helped us uh, steady that crop a little bit and that's really going to be right where we think it ought to be it would be a bit surprising if we saw that number come in over six i think um the soft red and the, the spring which we won't get a number on spring wheat um but those are going to be our saving grace this year those two yep. classes yep let me hit the planning progress real here real quick here and then we'll throw it over to page to get some uh weather you can see here on the slide you're looking at we've actually caught up uh, we are actually a couple ticks ahead uh, of the five-year average getting the corn in the ground. Uh, you can see North Dakota farmers, we mentioned this last week, that looked like they had a pretty good uh, weather window in front of them to try to play catch up. And I think that's what they're 
they're doing doing a pretty good job. I think uh, if you look across there, they're 81% planted on their corn, only 11 ticks behind the five-year average, uh, which is a huge amount of room. They got 26% of their crop in the ground last week alone. So doing good there. If you jump down here to the, um, oh, we're actually getting condition reports, although I'm not gonna spend any time on that at this early state. Um, soybeans planted, um, <clears throat> doing well there, pretty much still right on the five-year average, approaching, uh, approaching the 80% planted mark, uh, and really not much news there. Scott, how's the winter wheat crop looking? Seems like we've got conditions, or uh, this is, I guess, a new high for this crop, though, isn't it, at 30% good to excellent? Yeah, we're, we're rolling along. Uh, all of this rain has, has been helping the conditions pretty dramatically. Um, if you were to do the averages a week ago, the main hard red winter states, seven of them that I keep uh, close watch on, we went from 18% last week to almost 23%. So um, uh, doing quite well. The, the big ones, the big jump, um, South Dakota was up 9% week over week, up to 42%. And Montana has made it into the 20s. Um, up from 14 up to 23%. Um, soft red winter wheat states all doing quite well. Um, Illinois, despite all of that rain that they have been getting, uh, has jumped from 60% uh, a week ago up to 77 this week. Um, quite the uh, uh, quite, quite the, uh, uh, the jump there. Uh, from a harvest perspective, we're just getting started, you know, uh, 5% nationally. Um, and, and really, the, the only place to, uh, to, to look uh, for, for much progress at all is Texas, Oklahoma. And we know the Texas crop is um, going to pretty much be written off this year. But they're 36% harvested, Oklahoma at 15 um, Spring wheat. Are they harvesting a, with an actual combine or are they doing it with a plow? Yeah. Exactly, or either a plow or a cow. One a way or the plow other. or a cow. Right. Um, spring wheat, you know, we have come a long ways towards uh, catching that crop up. You see there are two red lines are still, um, you know, Minnesota and North Dakota. That's your that's your main producers. Um, but we've, we've kind of made it to the three-quarter pole in, in North Dakota, and you're two-thirds of the way there in Minnesota. Um, I suspect we'll continue to plant a little bit more, but um, we're very quickly getting to the spot where um, it, it's gonna be what it's gonna be. Um, so we shall see. Now, the, the nice thing about all of that moisture up there, I heard some folks talking uh, the last couple of days is despite the, the late planting for corn and soybeans and spring wheat, if you've got it in the ground, it's coming along very nicely and emerging, you know, and watching, you can watch it grow by the day. Yeah, I skipped uh, kind of the crop conditions on corn. It's the first week, doesn't necessarily mean much, but I think that's one of the things to anticipate here is, you know, the old saying in this business is rain makes grain. And, um, you know, it's been, uh, the rain has been problematic getting the crop in the ground, but, you know, once it's in the ground with all that moisture, we ought to be able to get a good early start here. So. Uh, Paige, what, what are you seeing on the weather front? Yeah, so you kind of stole my thunder there a little bit, but like you just said, um, kind of all these rains have been a little bit problematic uh, for farmers to get their crops into the ground. Um, but like 
uh, you also mentioned earlier, we are caught up and actually a little bit ahead on corn planting. And I think we were maybe one tick behind um, on soybean planting. So uh, the last week of weather really hasn't been too bad. Uh, those northern states are still getting a little bit of rain, but it seems like farmers um, are not overly concerned because we talked about how much progress uh, they made up in North Dakota even, and they were probably the wettest of the bunch. So um, if you flip forward a little bit, um, you can see there's still a little bit of rain in the seven-day forecast, especially if you look kind of at home here in Nebraska and down into Kansas um, and over a little bit. But a lot of those states are pretty well planted. So again, kind of like you said, that rain is going to be um, more beneficial than detrimental at this point because um, a lot of well, those me, crops are jump. already in the ground. Yeah, and let me let me throw on top there, Paige. Um, this is the time of year where it's good for one and not so good for the other, and the and the not so good is for wheat. Um, mm -hmm. Talk to a few millers uh, down here at the conference um, in that Tennessee, Kentucky area, southern Illinois, um, starting to see a little vomitoxin in that wheat. Now we haven't, we're not so much rain that we're seeing sprout damage yet, um, but we definitely could uh, could use the the faucet to be turned off here pretty quickly. Um, well, it looks like that's going to happen though, doesn't it? Yes. Uh, vomitoxin, again, is something that we can deal with, but the sprout damage is, is really not a good thing. So we haven't seen it yet. Um, and to your point, Dave, the, the, it would seem the forecast should help us uh, at least a little bit. But mm -hmm. we'll be watching that going forward. Yeah, Sorry, Nate, Paige. so if you flip, no, you're fine. If you flip to the next slide, um, I think this is kind of what you guys were talking about. It pretty well looks like we are going to heat up and dry out. Um, again, a lot of these kind of corn and bean planting states have gotten pretty good rain, so this is not overly worrisome at this point. And I'm sure the kind of North Dakota and Minnesota farmers are saying, oh, thank goodness. Um, to kind of get the rest of their crops in the ground at this point. Um, but this goes out through, what is that, two weeks now? So this should pretty well help everyone wrap up harvest, wouldn't you think? Or not harvest, planting. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I think that we can see a window to kind of get us uh, get us to the finish line here. So, mm -hmm. and well, then good. I'm uh, just going to touch briefly, Nate, if you flip down to, uh, I think it's slide 27. Um, we're probably just about done talking about South American weather. Um, Brazil remains dry, again, due to that kind of La Nina event. Um, crops were able to kind of miss any significant damage from frost. I guess that was two weeks ago now. And from what I'm reading, there's not a whole lot of concern going forward. And I think that safrina crop from the wire I read yesterday is even starting to be harvested. I think it's like 3% harvested. So some of that later planted corn may get hit by frost, but I have not read anything about any major concerns. So pretty good down have there as well. Have you been a little bit surprised, Paige, that, uh, uh, you know, we had that big reduction that, uh, that Dr. Cordonier took here, oh, probably three or four weeks ago from 112 mm -hmm. million metric tons to 107. And 
really don't look like we've gotten any appreciable rain on the, the, the tail end of this, the fill stage of this Sabrina corn crop, but yet he really hasn't reduced it anymore, nor, nor has anybody else I'm aware of. No, he hasn't. And actually, well, it looks like he left his corn unchanged. He raised some stuff this week. Um, not a lot, but just a little bit here and there. So I don't know if he was thinking, because I know early on there were talks that early frost might be a thing. So I'm not sure if he was factoring that in. Um, and then that didn't really come to fruition. So he's feeling a little bit better about it. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure because they have not really gotten any rain in a while. So, yeah, that's a good point. OK, well, thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, Scott, you want to give us a dairy update here this morning? Yeah, we've seen um, cheese kind of uh, hanging right in there. We've, we've moved to the uh, after that holiday week. Last week, we've moved back to the upper range of the 220s. You know, we finished yesterday at 228. Um, we've got plenty of milk available right now. But, you know, we and, I, and I've been talking about this. It's literally for months. Um, but uh, both cheese and butter makers um, are, are talking about these labor issues that they continue to have. And it's it's so bad that they're. Um, even though we've got plenty of milk and it, it's seemingly uh, cheaper than it has been, um, th they can't run because they don't have enough uh, labor. So that's uh, kind of a, a, an issue, certainly in, in, uh, in the past, that we've seen this going to be that way for a while. Um, butter uh, has moved uh, back up almost to the $3 level. You see there yesterday we, we finished at uh, 295 and three quarters. Um, the demand is is still pretty firm, uh, both um, uh, here domestically as well as uh, internationally. Um, those international prices uh, for both Dutch and German uh, values are up in the 340 range. Uh, so we continue to see some uh, uh, some interest from around the world. Um, and then we also got our April dairy products report. If you want to go forward one slide there. Um, and, you know, a little bit on the bullish side, really both for uh, cheese and butter, more so for butter. Um, we, we, we saw our cheese output come down uh, both uh, just a little bit year over year, uh, but down uh, pretty significantly month over month, um, you know, down almost 5% month over month. On the butter side of things, um, you, you saw us a full percentage point down year over year. Um, but the month over month fall was 10 times what, or check that, five times what it would, uh, what it has been in the last five year average, um, down over 20 million pounds month over month versus about 4 million uh, on, on average. So um, it, it's, a, it's a pretty bullish input to the marketplace. And I, I believe one of the reasons why we, we've seen that little bit of an uptick in prices. So that pretty well does it for the dairy side of things right now. All right. Well, that is our story this week, and we are sticking to it. Uh, as always, questions, comments, we'd uh, very much welcome them. And as I always ended up, uh, uh, and especially in these markets, be careful out there.
page is still there.